asked if you'd stand all over this room if that would be okay just for a moment I wasn't I was forgetting to think in the buckets going by it's gonna be hard to do what I was gonna ask you to do so we'll just let them go by listen care how many believe the Lord is in this room right now come on We welcome GT North. My goodness, every time our van drives by GT North, the windshield wipers go on all by themselves. The horn goes off, man. The horn starts tooting. And uh, what, a, what a great thing God's doing there at GT North. I'm glad that they're tuned in this morning. But this morning, tonight at 6, Monday and Tuesday, not songs and sermons. I believe God uses songs. I, I believe God uses sermons. I, I believe that with all my heart. But there's no substitute ever for a, a sovereign move of God among God's people. And I would encourage you to say, God, I am hungry for all that you want to do. Now, now somebody said that if we really knew what, what, what was involved in revival, that, that some people would never pray for revival. Because revival will alter our lives. I'm going to share a word this morning, and it's, it's, it's burning in my heart, and my prayer for God's anointing to be strong all over this house, but my, my prayer is that this morning, God would set a tone uh, for this week that we'd be open vessels for all that God wants to do. If you're addicted to religion this morning, we'll offend you. If you're in the room this morning and say, Greg, look, I just want to get mine. I want to get to heaven. Listen, God, God is wanting to do great things in every life in this place. I'm going to encourage you to bring somebody, invite somebody. who are believing God in money, not in two there for healings and miracles and for signs and wonders. And it's going to be all good news. This isn't gloom and doom. Let's not go on that road, whatever. But God's got something great for every hungry person in the house. And so what's really critical right now, and we're, we do this every Sunday, we're in a different church, and, and it's, it's cast that vision saying, God, we want to give the devil a heart attack the next three nights. I've already talked to the NFL, everything's good. Uh, Eagles uh, are on the late game tomorrow night, so we're good there. Uh, the Steelers are playing my team at one o'clock, so you're good there. So there's no, 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 whatever. But say, God, I don't want anything in the world to rob me of what you want to do during the next three nights. I'm talking about high school students. I am praying God filled the front rows of our churches with high school students. With children, boys and girls, Greg, it's school week. It's what we can meet at a school week and still get home in time for a good night rest. Let's say, God, we want to let you know that we are beside ourselves thirsty for all that you want to do. Amen. And so again, we're believing God to heal the sick and to touch people uh, for great outpouring of the Spirit. Uh, I want you to lift up a hand, if you would, all over the room. The offer buckets have gone, I believe, by now. Let's lift up both antennas right now. Would you do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, here, Lord God, at, at West Lawn Campus, there, GG North, would you open the heavens over this house? Lord, Lord, I just confess right now that, Lord, uh, Lord, we don't know how to do this. We want your touch. We, we need your anointing. We want fresh fire. We pray not just for proclamation, but may there be demonstration of your power. We don't want to speak about this as if you weren't actually in the room. We acknowledge your presence, that you're here right now in our midst. 
So we give you glory right now. Uh, we give, let's worship him. Come on. We give you worship right now. Uh, come on. Lift up your voice. Come on. Uh, we worship you right now. We give you glory right now. Uh, we give you honor right now because there's nobody like you, Lord Jesus. So God, just have your way. I pray you anointing to be strong. I pray miracles of healing in this service. I pray bondage is broken. Let devils come out of people. I pray for miracles of healing. I pray heal cancer, every sickness. I pray the next three days. I pray that you, Jehovah Rapha, would heal the sick. I pray miracles that would sink a town in a county that the world and G.G. North would be. Can you believe what Jesus has done in this body? So God, we come to you now and pray that you'll move, that you'll pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Have your way in this house. Uh, Lord, we confess that we are nothing without you. Apart from you, we do nothing. But with you, all things are possible to those who believe. So have your way. We just trust you now and give you thanks for all that you're about to do. The next three nights, would you move by your spirit and we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, come on, a big amen. Somebody give God a shout, come on. Let's give God a big old praise. Amen. You can be seated. Can you crank the monitors up, guys, till blood spurts out of my ears? That would be beautiful. Uh, amazing, amazing how God's moving. The great things happening at GT and uh, my goodness, Pastor Marissa, the, uh, the reports of Kensington, how God used the team in Kensington. And uh, are you grateful we have a people in our church that travel, not just overseas, but in America, touching people, the gospel. I know the trips in, in February to India and, and uh, Colombia, and also I think Argentina in February, get the info on those trips to uh, those places, and uh, God's moving all over the world. But he doesn't love India or Colombia or Argentina. We live next Sunday for Africa. He doesn't love those places anymore, but he loves West Lawn, Pennsylvania. How many believe that? Hey, I, I wanna go to God's word. I'm gonna go to God's word. Thanks, man, plain so real. Thank you so much, man. I, I wanna go to God's word this morning, and uh, it's uh, Romans chapter 10, if you have a Bible, Romans 10, if you have a Bible, and uh, we'll get right to it. I want you to open up your heart and say, God, I'm wide open for all that you wanna do, and uh, we're just honored to be back here this morning with you all to kick off these meetings uh, this morning, tonight, and then Monday, Tuesday. Romans 10, beginning at verse number one, it goes like this, here we go. Their brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's a misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with themselves. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by living, or rather by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished in the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Verse 5 says, from Moses writes, that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth, and don't say who will go down to the places of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. 
It is on your lips and in your heart. And the message, the very message of our faith that we preach, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, let me read that again. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They are the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. And I love verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a great song, a great hymn that says uh, we crown him as uh, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Here's the deal. If you were to ask most churches on a Sunday morning, if you simply would address the local church in America and, and say, do you believe in the Lordship of Jesus? And I, now what I mean by that is this, Christ is King, Christ is Master, Christ above everything else. If you were to ask the local church as a whole, do you believe in the Lordship of Jesus? that Jesus is actually King of Kings and Lord of Lords without a doubt, church. I, I, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what denomination or whatever, uh, whatever may compromise this thing. If you ask in most churches, is Christ Lord? There's going to be a resounding yes. There'll, there'll be applause, there'll be cheers, there'll be a, a sense of big amens. And, and so for the corporate church, many I would say absolutely Jesus Christ is Lord. But let's mix it up for a second. If you were to go in that same church and ask each person individually, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Now, is Christ the Lord of your life? Uh, what may happen is a very different type of a morning. Uh, there may be a sense of, uh, of feeling rather disturbed and it will be a revealing morning because we're living in an hour right now where Satan has issued an attack on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So again, for the church at large, yes, he is Lord. But what matters is Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life, and it's Christ the Lord over my life. Uh, or again, grow. what does it look like for somebody uh, to make Jesus Lord of their life? It, it speaks of absolute surrender. It speaks of absolute ownership. What well, says in 1 Corinthians 6, that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. If you are a follower of Jesus, you no longer, you, you do not own yourself. You now belong to God. How many glad God bought you on the cross 2,000 years ago? Someone say yes. So there's surrender, there's acknowledgement of ownership, uh, there's unreserved obedience. Remember, the scripture teaches in Luke 6, 46, where Jesus says, you know, why do you call me Lord when you don't do the things I tell you to do? So real lordship requires ultimate obedience. It also requires willing service. When a person receives Christ as Savior and Lord, he wants to be the absolute everything in and around our lives. And when you think of the Lordship of Jesus, I want to share this morning some simple thoughts. I want to get through this quickly and simple because the Lordship of Jesus, it's so critical. 
Because the Lordship of Jesus was the initial confession of the early church 2,000 years ago. We read it a moment ago in Romans 10, verse 9, that if you openly declare Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Uh, you know, back in Bible days, and, uh, when a Jewish person uh, would, would acknowledge Christ as Lord, uh, what he meant was that Jesus was actually God. Uh, when a Gentile would come to Christ and would see Jesus as Lord, uh, what a Gentile was saying when he said he's Lord, he was saying that Caesar is no longer my God, but Jesus is now my King and my Lord and my Master. When you look at the New Testament, for the early church, the idea of Jesus is Lord, it was never Jesus and. We never need to ever add anything to Jesus. I love Matthew 10, 37. It says this, this is how serious God is about wanting to be Lord of our lives. And this is unsettling for the person that's lukewarm or cold or indifferent. But Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, these words, he says, if you love, your father and mother, more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. You know, for honest, when I first read those verses as a, as a new believer at 17, when I first read those verses, I'm thinking, that makes, what, what do you mean? I, I can't love my dad and my mom, whatever. You know that's not what God's saying. What he's saying is, is in comparison. There must be no other love in our life like the love we have for Jesus. It's never Jesus and, it's always Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Matthew 6, 24 says this, no one can serve two masters, for you hate, will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And that goes for so many other areas. And the whole idea for the early church proclaiming together, corporate, that Christ is Lord. But what they're saying together is that we don't serve two masters. We don't serve two gods. What can happen to an individual can happen to a church that, that, that we, we buy into different things in our purpose of being, whatever. Listen, we're not just called to make everybody happy. I want you to walk out blessed. I want you to giggle to your car, so full of joy today. But I don't want you to walk out giggling if you're not serving the Lord. I want you to walk out with a sense of forgiveness and grace. And if there's sin or whatever, I want the power of Jesus that sets you free. We're living in our church that we try to redefine what the church is. And I'm not trying to paint with a white paintbrush, be careful. I'm not in that crowd that says, well, nowadays the local church, whatever, nothing's happening. Listen, God is building his church all over this world. He's moving in GT, he's moving in GT North, he's moving in Zimbabwe, he's moving in Kensington, Pennsylvania. God is building his church all over the world. But God says you can't have two gods. 
He says, you can't, it's not me and then somebody else. And, and the danger is the deception that we can begin living for Jesus, have a double life that we fear God on the one side while serving our own gods on the other. And the danger is honoring God with our lips while our hearts are far from him. We call him Lord, but do not do what he says. Say, God's serious about this. Can I tell you, not, not here. Can I tell you why one reason some places don't want revival? Because they don't want God taking over their church. I've been their church. I, I've been there. The, the fear, we can have it all done on paper, what we believe, whatever. But there oftentimes can be a fear. What if God really starts moving in our church? I'm glad this morning early, uh, Pastor Scott and the team are walking these, these floors and, and praying, God, open the heavens over the house at CT North. I prayed CT North. Come on. I pray for such a move of God in CT North. I pray the cars go by and my friend that by the thousands people come to know Jesus Christ at CT North. But it only happens by a powerful move of God. It won't be by the coffee that we brew. It won't be by the aesthetics as awesome as they are. But there must be a fresh sense of the power and the glory of Almighty God. We are the church. That's who we are. And I'm just telling you, there's a fear inside of religious spirits that say, dear God, keep it short, keep it nice, keep it snappy, keep it chipper but I don't really want God to really move in the service. It might make somebody feel uncomfortable. Can I just say this? May God so move in your heart and in my heart today that we say, God, it isn't about how we think it should go or how we think it ought to flow, but God, if we get one thing right in the service, may we proclaim with authority and authenticity that you are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. And there's none besides you. And say, God, we want all that you have. And you see how God was serious with this church when it comes to lordship. You read a revelation, the letters to the seven churches, and they've all were commended, but then they were reprimanded. One example, the church at Sardis in Revelation 3 at verse 1. This is not in the notes, but it says this. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Sardis. This is the message for the one who was the sevenfold spirit of God, the seven stars. I know all the things you do. You have, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. He says, wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what's left is almost dead. I, I find that your actions don't meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believe that first. Hold on firmly, repent, turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Friend, God is serious about his church. This is his church. This doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong. This is, listen, you say, Greg, I've been in church for 30, 40. This is my church. This church belongs to Jesus. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will never prevail. Aren't you grateful that God knows how to build his church? I love what it says, though, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, at verse 6, it says this. It's talking about how people have so-called gods, both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But I love verse 6. It says, but for us, there's one God, the Father by whom all things were created, 
and for whom we live. And there's one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created. So imagine this idea of the Lordship of Jesus for the early church. It, it was that, that was the initial confession. That was what burdened them. That Christ is Lord over our church. It isn't about style. It isn't about what it is. Jesus Christ is Lord over our church. That's why religious people hate the move of God. And I'm grateful, thank God, I, I, I know not, but in some places we have churches that are being held by unspiritual people in spiritual places. And there's a sense of, they've accepted Christ, but lordship, they've kind of whatever, and they're, okay, Greg, I come, whatever. Listen, he wants everything. He wants it all, church. And that's disturbing to the natural. The flesh doesn't like that. But Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it talks about, yeah, you know what, GT people? There's people that have all these little gods or whatever, and they actually worship them, and they do that in different things and idols and gods. And, but then he says this, but he says, but for us, I pray something rises up in this great church this morning, both here and at GT North, and says, you know what, Greg? Yes, the Bible teaches of a falling away. It teaches of people getting cool in their faith. It teaches of a, a great falling away. But for us, we stay on fire for Christ. But for us, Christ is our Lord. Come on. But for us, I pray something rises up in you this morning that says, Greg, I, I see the world. I see all the compromise. I see what's happening. But for us, not, not prideful. I'm not talking being prideful as far as GT being prideful, but may we save the church humbly and broken. But as for us, in these last days, Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord. He is King of all kings. There's nobody besides our God. Somebody say a big amen right now. How many want Jesus to always be Lord of GT, somebody show yes. Good heavens, I heard GT North all the way from here. God is very serious about wanting the Lordship of Jesus to burn like an inferno in the life of his people, his church, in these last days. You show me a church that steps away from the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They'll brew coffee, they'll be mechanics and machinery, but no touch of God. No miraculous, no signs of wonders, but we'll experience what we can do. That's not what we want at GT. Can somebody say amen? Pastor Scott's been burning this, burn, burning this in us of expectation and prayer of every time we come together, we expect our Lord to move in a great way. Come on. Uh, you, you know why? You, you know why the Christmas spectacular? You know why? We want all of Bruce County to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why. We want the whole area to know with all the negativity, with, with all, the, all the craziness. And I, I know we're getting the whole political stuff's happening. We want Burst County to know the answer is not in the White House. The answer is Jesus who's seated upon the throne. So the Lordship of Jesus was the initial confession of the church and may it be that in the day that we live in. Second thought in the Lordship of Jesus. The Lordship of Christ is the, is the authentic confession of every true follower of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, I'm not talking religious. Friends, you could join every church in town and still die and go to hell by 2 o'clock today. 
But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've repented of your sins, if Christ is your Lord and Savior, we'll get to that in a second. Friends, you've got a reason to tap your feet right now and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to heaven. My sins are forgiven. Aren't you grateful that you're not what you used to be? Someone shout yes. Aren't you glad that you're following Christ now? And so for the, the believers back to 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says this. He said, Lord said, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, when you accept the Christ as Savior and Lord, listen, it is the work of the Spirit that allows us and causes us to say Jesus Christ is Lord. The old flesh would have nothing to do with that. The old lust wants nothing to do with the lordship of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking some cheap salvation where you, you, you pray a quick prayer, but, but walk out and live like the devil. I'm talking Bible salvation. When somebody gives their life to Christ and the old is gone and the new has come, it's only by the Holy Spirit can someone say that Jesus is my Lord. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 16 says this. So when you stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. Stop there for a second. How many are glad you know him a lot different now than you did 20 years ago? How many are glad you know him a whole lot different? How many are glad that you know Jesus? Come on. Bible tells us how differently we know him now. We're not what we were. It goes on and says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. The moment of true biblical salvation. When some repents of their sins and makes Christ Savior and Lord of their life. It's the Spirit of God that allows you and causes you to be able to say that, Jesus, dear God, you're my Lord. There's people breathing in the room this morning. What's bound by crack cocaine, what's bound by filth and pornography, just bound by religion. And your people, you've got people in your past that go, I can't believe you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning hearing some guy sweat and spit for 30 minutes. And which I apologize for that last part of that, but we are who we are. And, uh, and so it, people look at you and go, man, you're just crazy. What, what are you, you're in, whatever, you're, you're worshiping, you're singing. Why? Because you know them differently now. Because you're a new creation. You're not what you were. If we are what we've always been, we're not saved, church. And I get this. It's popular. Well, you know, Greg, just relax. You're a little bit too intense. Just lighten up. Salvation isn't, come on. No, salvation is a big deal. People without Jesus die and go to hell. The Bible teaches crystal clear. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. 
but he moves upon you by the person of the Holy Spirit. He softens you. He melts you. He convicts you. He draws you. John 6, 44, no one comes to the Father except by the Spirit draws. But when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's then and only then you can cry out that Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord. You're my King. You're my Master. But here's the problem. Are you still with me this morning? Somebody say amen. Are we still together? Here's the, here's the problem. There are many people in the day that we live in who have accepted Jesus Christ in order to miss hell and reach heaven. But it says, as far as making him Lord of my life, I'll take care of that further down the road. Greg, look, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell either. I'm sweating now. Imagine what it'd be like down there. I'm, I mean, I'm sweating now. Look at this exit signs all over this room. There's not one exit sign in hell, I can promise you right now. Hell is hot and hell is real. And that's why God doesn't want any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God loves people and God loves you. But this, this whole idea of accepting Jesus as our Savior, I want I, I, to go to heaven, and, but then to have no concern about making Christ Lord of our lives. Now, please hear me with this. I don't think anyone should be expected to come up to an altar like you'd be called to in a moment and to pray a prayer to receive Jesus as every journey as one as a first step, whatever. I don't think we should expect people at the moment they're at the altar to have a whole a sense of theology of what it means to make Christ Lord. When I got saved, I knew nothing but that I was lost in sin, but God loved me and sent his son to die on the cross for me. After that, I pretty much, I didn't know much. I, I didn't have any background. I didn't go home that night and go, you know, mom and dad, all oh, these years, whatever. So we can't expect people that have a sense of, but, but at the same time, we cannot expect for someone to be truly saved, to willingly receive Christ, but have no desire to make him Lord. That's foreign to the people. It's foreign. And so, but we're living in an hour when this is happening. This is, is so, this is epidemic right now, church. This is like overstating. This isn't what Greg you're making. This is used in our nation. You can accept Jesus, pray a prayer, you're going to heaven, not so quick. In the New Testament, it was huge. Remember the, the jailer, Acts 16, uh, when the earthquake came and Paul and Silas sang, and, and the jailer came in at Acts 16 and said, brothers, what do I do to be saved? And, 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 uh, and Paul says, you believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You look at that scripture in just one verse, Paul presented the three names of our Lord. He is master, he is mediator, and he is Messiah, church. It would be unthinkable for the people in the early church that receive Christ as Savior and not take him as Lord. But don't kid yourself. There's people that are going to walk out of this room today that say, preach, sweat, spit. I'll make my own call. I'll, I'll make my own call. And that's, that's your call. That's, that's all on you. I'm just here to tell you on a Sunday morning, and in, in, what is it? What month is it? September? In September, I'm going to tell you this morning there's a loving God who's loose in this room. He wants to be Lord and Savior of your life. Paul shall believe in the Lord Jesus. And, and the whole idea is this is that Jesus isn't after, uh, uh, after joiners, he's looking for disciples. 
Do you realize if a church that was looking for a, 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 an assimilation pastor or someone that people come to church, you get them involved, you get them plugged in, or a discipleship pastor, getting people grounded. Do you realize that most churches would not hire Jesus to be their discipleship pastor? Greg, Greg you're joking. I'm, I'm dead serious. They'd say, that, no, they'd say, Jesus, you're old school. I, I've had it with that. that. If that's old school, we're in trouble. If Christ is Lord, is old school, we're in more trouble we can ever imagine. Jesus is Lord, church. But can you imagine Jesus Christ saying this? Again, this idea of putting him, he displays this in Luke chapter 9, 57. Imagine this. This is your assimilation pastor saying this to people. It says in Luke 9, 57, these words. If they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Stop right there. I know churches will go nuts over that. Are you kidding me? They'd start doing the wave going, thank you, Jesus. We, we've got somebody. Thank you, Jesus. We got, we got a volunteer. Then Jesus pipes in. Everything's going great until the, the Lord steps in. He says, foxes have, uh, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, the son of man has no place to even lay his head. He said, another person, what am I looking at? I got swept in my eye. Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the dead bury their dead. Your duty is to go and preach the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told them, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Are you kidding me? He gets fired in a second? He don't tell people that. It upsets people. It just, look at them. The baby's even crying over it. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. It's, it's disturbing. By the way, thank God for mothers who bring their kids to church. So I'm going to give a clap for that person right there. Come on. Jesus Christ wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be the Lord of my life. He was very serious about this. He wants to be Lord and Savior. And that's why it's critical that we come to a place on a Sunday morning like this and say, Jesus, I got to ask myself, not how I feel, the weather, not just being goofy and weird and so sensory, but are you really the Lord of my life? I just want to ask you. I know I've been praying this morning, Lord, I know I talk too fast. I want people to hear this. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If he's not, something's wrong. I don't care about your checkbook. I care less about whether you rent, whether you own, what you drive. Are you kidding me? It all means nothing. It means nothing. But God is shaking his church in these last days. He's looking for people, not just corporately. Yes, there's something to be said for the corporate church. And that's why, thank God for our worship team and the singing, the anointing. But remember, you can't count on this team to pull a song out of somebody that doesn't already have a song. But when Christ is Lord, 
but he is the Lord of our life and our Savior. Isn't there a song that rises up in us and praise and there's something special. That's why I love GT and I love the vision. Pastor Scott of being together, unity, prayer, respecting God to move. GT North, you kidding me? You just talked to Pastor Eric for five minutes. He's got vision just running out of his ears for Pete's sake. I mean, vision, excitement, expectancy. Listen, there's something special when the corporate church has a common bond that says it isn't about us, it's about Jesus. It's about our preference, it's about Jesus. It's about, it's about the kingdom. There's a sense of joy. We corporately worship. It's about our, our voices. As we, we clap, we sing, we shout. There's something about the church worshiping together. And there's something about a people that can say one by one walking out to their car, Jesus Christ, he is. I'm glad he's yours. He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. I pray something wells up in somebody. If it's secret sin, repent. If there's something wrong, you run from it. Something keeping you from God, don't treat it like a buddy rabbit. Treat it like the rattlesnake that it is. Whatever keeps you back from the lordship of Jesus Christ, you run for your life this morning and say, Jesus, today, I'm not walking out of that room today without making sure, you can play there, brother, something that I wrote, something that I wrote. Listen careful. To be able to walk out of this room. He's mine. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I want to ask you once again, is Jesus Christ, just think of your life, I'm not looking to be, like, beat anybody up, it's not what this is about, whatever. But it's Jesus, Lord, Master, King. Francis Schaeffer wrote, he said, he said, you say that you're spiritual. He said, fine, he said, but let me live in your home with you for three days and let me watch you. He said, then I'll tell you how deep and majestic you are in the things of God. Not that we're to be judging and judgmental and beating, but there must be that sense of looking within and saying, Holy Spirit, like the old song says, see if there be any wicked way in me. God, touch me. God, the sin. God, the stuff I put before you. The stuff I put before you, God. Oh, God. I lay it all down. I lay it all down. I want to be able to walk out with everyone else in the room saying, Jesus, you are my Lord this morning. Want to have a great lunch today? Be able to walk out with authenticity saying, he's my Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God. The Lordship of Christ was the initial confession of the church. The Lordship of Christ, initial confession of every true follower of Jesus. Every true follower of Jesus has not accepted Jesus and said, you know what, let me get back to you on the Lordship issue. I'm gonna, I, I wanna go to heaven, but I don't wanna go to hell, whatever, but I, I pretty much wanna call the shots. That flies in the face of biblical salvation and repentance. 
but when we repent and receive Jesus Christ, and that doesn't mean God isn't always working in us and that sanctification, but we're, we're growing, we're, he's working on, aren't you glad God's working on us? Come on, he, none of us have arrived. Can I get a big amen? Come on, I know I haven't. And, uh, but God's, he's, he's working in us, he's at work within us. Thank God, God is a patient, loving father. But he's also Lord. He's also Lord. Last thing is this, the Lordship of Jesus. I want you to hear this and I'm done with this. The confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ will be, it will be a required confession for every single person who's ever lived. Philippians chapter 2, 9 says, Therefore God has elevated him and to the place of highest honor, given the name of all other names, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Please hear me today, friends. Come on, you might be a visitor thinking, what did I get myself into? You got yourself into a place where God happens to love you and care about you. That's where you are. You're not here by accident. But the day's gonna come. Every knee's gonna bow. Every. Greg, preach, sweat, spit, not doing it. Actually, you are. Actually, you are. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is now, please hear me. We go to Africa a week from today. We're on our way to the airport probably right now for a massive crusade. We're believing for thousands of people to be saved, demons jumping out of people. There'll be deliverances, healings, miracles, signs. And but I'll, I'll not ask one person. I'll never travel to India, Africa, or Romania. I'll never travel anywhere in the world and just simply look at someone and say, hey, will you? Will, will you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior? Will you? That's already been answered. You're going to. That's a, such a crazy question. It's not even, I'm not gonna ask anybody in Zimbabwe next week and hey, are, you know, will, you, will, will you confess Jesus as Lord? Because there, it's already written in the integrity of Scripture that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What matters is, is when you do it. What matters is when you do it. You'll either do it now through faith and receive the gift of salvation or you'll bend your knee when it's too late and you'll die and go to hell forever and ever. Greg, stop the hell talk. You're upsetting people. I'm sorry. It's Bible. But God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. Hey, what are you saying? Everybody breathing in this room, everybody that drives by GT North, everybody GT North that drives by that great building, one day they will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. And no matter who they are, and they will pronounce Jesus Christ is Lord. He's King of Kings. He is Lord. But if you wait 
until then, when you're forced to, it's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. And that's what burns in me. That's why, that's why I wept over your pictures at Kensington. I saw the, the drug addicts and all the things you know, God was using, Pastor Mertz said our team, and they could, oh, dear God, dear God, dear God. I'm not asking. You've heard me say it enough. I, it probably it's lost its edge. I don't know, but I don't ask. I'm 63. I feel like a puppy. I feel like a puppy. Honestly, I do. I feel like a puppy. My knee hurts from me laying down, but I feel like a puppy. one person to walk out of this first service who has not yet pronounced Christ as Lord over their life. I'm not asking you, but I am begging you, not, not will you, because you eventually will. Someone, there's a company I read that has had a slogan and it says, eventually, why not now? Eventually, why not now? And I'm not asking you, begging you. Eventually, you will bow down before Jesus Christ. But I'm begging you. Dear God, don't wait till it's too late. And the one that says, you know, Greg, preach sweat, spit. You're trying to make this big dramatic thing. How do you over-dramatize this? So today, it will be ever recorded in heaven's history books that today in this house, God, by his spirit, was tugging at people, tugging at people, trying at people, not because he's mad at you, but because for God so loved the world to give his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. The forgotten word of John 3.16 is the word perish but to those who believed thank God the gift of eternal life is theirs can somebody say a big amen would you stand right where you are you've been so kind today and gosh I felt something just something so special in this room this morning just stand if you would don't touch your car keys they'll explode in your hands you know that I just want you to close your eyes and bow your heads all over this room this morning I'm going to count to three, not to be gimmicky. I'm not looking to, to manufacture something. I'm not looking to try to work anything up. But, but I do know this, that every journey begins with one single step. And I'm going to count to three. I'm going to be very focused with this. If you have not yet made Jesus your Savior, your Lord and your Savior, if you've not yet received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, Greg, what do you mean? I'm not talking being religious. I'm not talking being Catholic or Protestant or Lutheran or Methodist or whatever. Greg, I, I don't remember ever praying a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But today, I want to walk out knowing He's my God. I want to walk out knowing He's my Lord. You're saying the moment 
I say three, when you raise your hand, you're saying, I am not going to wait until it's too late, but I want to bow now to the feet of the one who died on that cross that loved me so much. He took my sin and suffered and died for me. If that's you, say, Greg, I'm front row, I'm back row. Uh, don't, don't believe that lie that says, I, I got to get my life worked together. He wants you now. He wants the mess. He wants you just the way you are. Let Jesus work a miracle in you. It's late. I'm going to count the three. Front row, back row, stadium, online. GT North and Pastor Eric is coming now. And GT North will lead you, GT North. I'm praying the power of God to flow like a river through GT North as Pastor Eric comes right now. But in this room... Your heads are bowed. Listen, I'm going to count them to three. And if you're already following Jesus, uh, don't raise your hand. It's all right. But I want to ask for anyone in this room that says, you know what, Greg, today I want to make a decision. I want to follow Jesus. I, I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. I want my sins forgiven. I'm going to walk out knowing I'm right with God. If that's you, remember, I'm not asking you. I'm begging you when I say three. Lift the hand up the moment I say three and say, Greg, keep me in prayer because today I decide, I desire Jesus Christ to be my Lord and to be my Savior. If that's you, when I say for you, lift it up. I'm going to close in prayer quickly. On the count of three, God's speaking to you. Don't let some devil lie to you. Don't. The Bible says today is the day for salvation. Let this be the moment that you let God work a miracle in your life. Moment I say three, not right with Jesus, lift it up where I can see your hand. And we're going to close in prayer. One. Two. Lift it up. Anybody in this house, say, Greg, it's me. God bless you and you. And lift it up higher. I could see it. Say, Greg, it's me and you. Anybody else? Say, Greg, it's me. It's me. Anyone over to my right here? Lift it up high, up and way back, way there and there. Anybody else? Just wave it at me if, if I can't see it yet, whatever. Say, so let's, let's give God bless you. Let's give God a big old hand clap right now. Come on. A big old hand clap right now. The Lord's in this house. The Lord's in this house. The Lord's in this house. Now listen carefully, you that prayed that prayer, someone I, I know in the back saw you, lift a hand up, we're going to get something to you. Let's all lift up our hands to the Lord all over this room right now. Come on. Go do this a little bit different this morning. Lift up hands all over this room, especially the six or seven that raised their hand a moment ago. And uh, I want you to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And uh, it's, it's not just about some quick little prayer, but I want you to believe it with all your heart. And this is the beginning of a personal walk with Jesus. Pastor Scott spoke about that. This is the beginning of a walk with the Lord Jesus. And, and so, but with hands lifted as an act of surrender, uh, can we all pray this out loud together with them, especially those who just raised their hand with hands to lift it. Pray this out loud in the faith. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. To come into my heart, forgive all my sin, and save my soul. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. You died on the cross rose up from the dead and you're alive forever i surrender my life to you you are my savior and you are my lord thank you for the gift of everlasting life help me to walk by your side 
to live for you, Jesus. I thank you this day for saving my soul. In your name I pray. Amen. Oh, somebody give God a shout all over this room right now. Come on. Come on, give him a big old shout. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for your power, God. Listen careful, listen careful. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, lift your hand up one last time right now where ushers can see you. Lift it up really high if you just prayed that prayer. Oh, look at this, get back there. Some people are looking, they're going to you. They're going to you. One last thing and we're done. Seconds to be sprinting out to your cars, your pet llama, your rickshaw, your horse and buggy. And but how about we do one last thing and we're done? How about as a church we let Jesus Christ know? You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. Thank you.